The honeymoon phase with Mario Cristobal back at the University of Miami is just getting started. But what are Coach Cristobal's biggest strengths as a head coach, and what, if any, are his biggest weaknesses? Let's dive in. Alex Dono, your host of Locked on Canes, University of Miami alum, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, pre- and post-game host on the Miami Hurricanes football radio network. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first Miami Hurricanes listen each and every day. This episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, for the Oregon Ducks fans out there, I know you make our guest here your first listen each and every day. Spencer McLaughlin, who hosts Locked On Ducks, giving you everything you need to know about Oregon athletics. Spencer, of course, there's a Miami-Oregon connection now with Mario Cristobal, so I can't thank you enough for taking the time. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. It's, it's great to be on the show, and you know, it, it does feel like as long as Mario Cristobal is at Miami, there will always be some weird connection or synergy between between our two schools now doesn't it? like there's 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 no going back is every time duck fans even 20 years from now look at miami will think oh that's the school that mario went to yeah well yeah. actually but before we get into some mario stuff let's start there because we've already seen a couple of oregon ducks now former ducks making their way to miami in the transfer portal and it's a big area of need uh for for miami on the offensive line with Logan Sogopolu, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, and Jonathan Dennis, who's a South Florida native who finds his way back home from Oregon. So, I mean, what, what, what can you tell me uh, about these players and the impact they may have? Yeah, so Dennis is one of two offensive linemen who have left the Ducks recently, and so that that left Oregon with a little bit of a void at that position or, you know, had us thinking like, okay, so the offensive line will be very good this year because it's the offensive line that Mario built, and that's what he did best, as we'll get to in a moment. but. You know, Dennis, a guy who hadn't played a ton, I, I just tend to trust anyone that, that Cristobal and, and Alex Maribel recruited and coach. You know, all those sorts of guys. Every year that they were here, the offensive lines were really good. And, you know, Dennis, I think, was not a surprising transfer. There was another guy who left the program, Jalen Jeffers. That was a little bit more uh, surprising. Dennis, less so. You know, there's just a lot of talented offensive line guys in that room. I don't think the Canes fans should be, you know, taken aback by the fact that he wasn't able to practice starting rotation yet early in his career. He's still got plenty of time to play college football. So I, I think that you should just feel comfortable knowing that if he wants to go around with Mario Cristobal, then that, that means that that Mario and uh, uh, and Alex Mirabal are, are trusting of him. So I, I think that that's, you know, so, something to, to look out for. I don't know if he'll be able to be a plug and play starter because he's a little bit of an unknown just because he really hasn't played hardly at all. But I, I think that when you just look at the track record that he's got, there, there's reason to be optimistic. That's uh, good to hear. And with Mario Cristobal, before we get into any potential weaknesses, uh, you know, certainly from the perspective uh, of Miami fans who followed him when he played at the U many years ago and had an assistant coaching stint, very aware of his success and prowess as a recruiter. And I can recall when he was working under Nick Saban at Alabama and Saban one point called him the best recruiter in the country. Does that, does that match up with your experience? How do you rate Cristobal as a recruiter and, and where did he have the biggest impact in that regard? Well, recruiting was definitely the biggest impact he had at the university of Oregon. He, he took the recruiting trail expectations for duck fans to, to new heights, you know, not even, 
uh, what what we had seen back in the in the Chip Kelly or the Marcus Mariota days. It just it hadn't been there before. And Willie Taggart kind of started it with Mario Cristobal and the staff. He leaves for Florida State. That doesn't go as well as Knowles fans were, I'm sure, hoping for. But the Ducks end up with Cristobal, and he started recruiting the moment that he was named the head coach. And you know, I don't know if, if Miami fans know this, but after Taggart announced he was leaving after one season for Florida State and was departing before the bowl game, it was the players on that roster who actually lobbied for Cristobal to to be the head coach. So he he had that locker room at the time, and that was you know something that was telling to us as Duck fans with regards to what kind of coach he is and how he talks to players and how they you know view him and connect with him. And that was evident the entire time that, that he was at Oregon because he recruited at a very high level. In 2021, he brought in the sixth ranked recruiting class in the country for the Ducks, most of whom are still on the roster for Oregon, which is is great for us, obviously, even though Mario's no longer our, our head coach, but that's the highest recruiting class in, in Oregon history. So there was uh, there, there's a now infamous quote by Nebraska head coach Scott Frost when he was Oregon's offensive coordinator. He was on Chip Kelly's staff back in the day. He was then OC when Helfrich got promoted, and then he went to UCF, and now Nebraska. And there's a now infamous quote he he had a while back about how hard it is to recruit up in Eugene because it's you know tucked away in the Pacific Northwest and yeah they have great facilities and everything but you're you know in the Pac-12 and you know all that sort of stuff Mario Cristobal just blew all that completely up and you know I I think Scott Frost is a smart offensive mind but he's clearly not an elite level recruiter and you know I think Nebraska is seeing that right now and Oregon fans I think have seen that because we kind of you know, got that inclination that the Chip Kelly, Mark Helfrich era, when Oregon made two national championship games in, was it five seasons or so, that was not based on having uh, a wide consortium of elite talent. You know, it was not based on these high-level recruiting classes. It was based on great scheme. The second team had a lot more good players. I talked about that recently on an episode of Locked on Ducks. You can go check it out if you want the, the full breakdown and such. But, you know, Chip Kelly was just brilliant on Saturdays, and he was doing things that nobody else was. And you know, Mark Helfrich was a very smart offensive mind. He also had the greatest player in Oregon football history in the Heisman Trophy winner, yeah. Marcus Mario. So, so that helped as well, right? But it was just, it's a different feel. You know, back then, that's the way that Oregon won at a high level. That's the way they beat people on on Saturdays. But then Cristobal came in with, with his staff, and it was, you know, just beating guys by, by having better players, particularly in the trenches and bringing in big-time recruits. And there were you know, a bevy of five stars that, that came through, the number one player in the class of 2019 in Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, th- those were things that just shifted the expectations amongst Oregon fans in terms of what the recruiting potential is for the University of Oregon football program. And now that Dan Lanning's there, we as Duck fans are expecting him to pick up where Crystal Ball left off and be at that same sort of level. But Crystal Ball elevated the profile in, in a huge, huge way and not one that, you know, I, I really thought I would see. That's uh, really well said. Uh, let's talk about what would actually happen on Saturdays during those, yeah. you know, 60 minutes, because, um, you know, something that I, I've noticed a lot when I talk to people who cover the Pac-12 very closely, they're like, hey, you know, Mario's great, but, you know, watch out because he's not always the best game day coach. How did you feel about, you know, the impact that he actually had during, you know, those three hour blocks on Saturdays? Yeah, I mean, Duck fans are are still caught up in, in this particular narrative, and there is definitely some truth to it. There were game management elements to the Mario Cristobal era that left a lot to be desired. You know, the recruiting was at one level, 
And, you know, that, that brought Oregon into the expectations of, or at least the fans, and I, I think from the national media as well, uh, they should be competing for Pac-12 championships and college football playoffs. Well, they did win multiple Pac-12 championships with Mario Cristobal. I call it one and a half. I don't even want to go into that. They won, they won <laughs> one and a half Pac-12 championships, but they were that caliber of team year in and, and year out while he was there. The year that, that we won the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin with Justin Herbert as a senior, that team is one third down and 16 stop away from getting to the college football playoff. So People want to say like, oh, Chris Ball was never going to get us there. He couldn't do it. Well, he was a third and 16 away. How many coaches are a third and 16 stop away from the college football player? The answer is not a lot. Now, the, the game management issues that I, I alluded to before, there's a frustration amongst Oregon fans about that. And that's because there were moments where it was less than ideal, shall we say. You know, that's uh, putting it softly at times. I think it gets a little bit overblown because he won a lot of football games for a guy whose Saturday game management is totally abysmal. However, the special teams were never very good. And I would say were consistently a weakness for the last several years. So a strong special teams coordinator would help out Miami and the Mario Cristobal staff a lot. I like his offensive coordinator and Josh Gaddis, but if you talk to people who are connected to the Oregon football program, they will tell you that, Mario had a big influence on the offense when Joe Moorhead was there. And I think Moorhead is one of the sharpest offensive minds in the country as a coordinator. I think he's really, really smart. And if, if you get down into the weeds and talk to people who are in the know, they'll tell you that Mario was, you know, kind of holding the offense back a little bit because he was an offensive lineman. He wants to run the ball a lot and he builds elite offensive lines. But the, the, the issues where he struggles the most are, allowing the downfield passing game to be a consistent part of it because he wants to run the ball so often on first and second down. It can be frustrating at times. That's the downside. The upside is you're rarely going to fail on third and fourth and short, you know, as long as he doesn't bring back the pistol because the pistol was just, oh, dude, if we can't, can't, can't once, once, once they ditched the pistol, Oregon on third and fourth and short was almost unstoppable with that offensive line. But there were other elements that, that drew the ire of a lot of Duck fans End of half management and special teams are the ones that stand out the most. You know, I, I was just talking about the game playing stuff, but the, the management year in and year out at the end of the first half, it was pretty poor. It, it, it was poor on a, there are a number of games you can point to where you go, what even was happening here? You don't have to even look as far as, uh, as far back as the Pac-12 championship game this past season, you know, and, and the first game against Utah this past season. The end of the half in the final 60 seconds of the first half in those games, Oregon is outscored like 13 to nothing because they're, you know, in this weird phase of like, do they want to be aggressive or do they not want to be aggressive? But then they're not, you know, they're, they're clearly were not well coached enough or confident enough to be committed to the drive. It was just, there were a lot of weird moments where like, like that, where you just kind of went, what? Like, <laughs> like what, what just happened? Like, the interception that Anthony Brown threw at the end of the first half of the Pac-12 championship game that led to a field goal from Utah. What in the world was that? Like, how is that player who has been in that offense the entire year, how is he making that decision? And so there are definitely some elements where I would say Mario Cristobal at least has not grown in, in a game day operations perspective, you know, as a head coach, he still hasn't been a head coach for that long. You know, I mean, people always want the immediate success. Oh, you got to turn around right now. He'll turn a number of things around. You'll start bringing in the recruits. I'm sure you've already seen that. Miami's in yeah. top 15, top 10 recruiting in the country. 
you know, and he was able to recruit at a high level of Oregon. Imagine what he could do in Miami when he's got a bunch of good players in his backyard, whereas every year the state of Oregon, my home state, I love it, but it produces like two good players a year. This year they've produced a handful more. So I have no doubts about how he's going to recruit. I have no doubts about how he will develop an offensive line, but there are going to be some areas where if he does not improve, then it'll feel like there's a ceiling on on certain Miami teams compared to the caliber of player he brings in every year. Well, th- this is unbelievable info, and I think it's it's even more than we could have expected. So you want to make sure to check out this man's show, Spencer <laughs> McLaughlin, Locked On Ducks. Support the Locked On Podcast family, especially the college sports family. Spencer, yes, I can't thank you enough. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Yeah, you're very welcome, Alex. You can have me back on and talk about Mario Cristobal anytime. Duck fans might not uh, agree with everything I have to say on that front. They think – I guarantee you, you know, even with what everything that I just said, there are a lot of Oregon fans who think I was being way too nice about Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. This episode of Locked on Canes is brought to you by something I use every single day. This has been part of my personal health and fitness renaissance. I started taking AG1 from Athletic Greens because, guys, I'm getting a little older. I wanted to fight my aging. I wanted to have better gut health, more energy. I wanted to optimize my immune system, which is a pretty important thing these days everyone's looking out for. Guys, I hated taking pills, multivitamins. And how many of you take some kind of a multivitamin? You're all raising your hands right now. Maybe you're not that consistent with it. You're probably taking a multivitamin that your body's not absorbing very well. That's not a problem with AG1. I wanted a supplement also that actually tastes great. So I've been on AG1 now for months, my friends, and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It is kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to every morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus. I feel that, guys, and aging. All the things you want to focus on because, yeah, aging aging's not fun, okay? So... I consume AG1 from Athletic Greens every single morning. I love the way that it tastes, and I love the way that, guys, I can feel that energy throughout the day. So right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free, one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com college. Again, that's athleticgreens.com college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Excellent insight there from Spencer McLaughlin on what Mario Cristobal is going to bring to the table here at the University of Miami. Hurricanes fans, of course, know Mario very well, played at the U, was an assistant coach at the U for years. Now he's back home with a ton more experience. Something we wanted to start doing here on Locked on Canes is more interaction. Uh, Our Twitter account has been growing we do follow back, so if you want to follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnCanes, we want to interact with you guys. We've been following back every single person who's followed us. I think even a few Gator fans and Seminole fans have snuck in. 
And we asked a question this week, and we're going to do this every week, guys, and on Thursdays, and you don't even have to necessarily answer the question. If you have anything else you'd like us to talk about, Canes football-related, any comment, any question for us, feel free to drop it to us 24-7 at Locked on Canes on Twitter. But we wrote out today from the show account, outside of Mario Cristobal at head coach, which one of Miami's new football coaches do you think presents the biggest upgrade from the previous staff? Uh, I want to read some of the responses here. And you're going to notice one name comes up a lot. Now, the first response we got, and thank you so much to Mr. Caned5150 because he he responded a couple of different ways here. I think he couldn't make up his mind which way he wanted to go. His initial response was, Coach Steele. He's talking about Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator. And yeah, listen, no no disrespect uh, to the previous man who occupied that D.C. seat, who's now, uh, he was the head coach at Miami as well. Manny Diaz was the D.C. last year. Before that, he had Blake Baker as his defensive coordinator, who was not very popular uh, among Hurricanes fans. Uh, you know, Diaz is now linebackers coach uh, at Penn State. Uh, but Kevin Steele, uh, you certainly hope he's an upgrade. And Steele has a wealth of experience as a head coach and as an assistant coach in the SEC. This sounds to me like a home run hire. Um, you know, and, you know, unfortunately, Manny Diaz, when he was defensive coordinator and not head coach the years under Mark Richt, I loved Miami's defense. They were flying to the football. They were creating turnovers in 2017, which was the first year of the turnover chain, and Miami had the top turnover margin in the entire country. You remember all the takeaways they had in that game against Notre Dame. It was just so fun to watch, and I thought Diaz did a darn good job as defensive coordinator when he wasn't also the head coach. I think that maybe just had a little bit too much on his plate last year, so... Yeah, Coach Steele could be a nice upgrade. Uh, Kane also wrote in a follow-up tweet, also Coach Charlie Strong, who's now coaching the linebackers. Tired Kane wrote, Strong at linebackers coach. Hunter Mayer wrote, Charlie Strong, and it's not even close. Uh, Out the Blocks wrote, Steele and a die. Well, let me not get ahead of myself too much here. Let me go back to the Charlie Strong thing. I think that's the correct answer. I really do. Had Jonathan Patkey coaching the linebackers this past season. Um, linebacker for, I think, a combination of coaching and recruiting, along with offensive line. I think linebacker has been the position with the least amount of depth. Uh, it's been the position that I think we're expecting and at least hoping for a huge jump now with Charlie Strong at linebackers coach. I think that's the correct answer. I mean, you go from you go from Jonathan Patkey to a coach in Charlie Strong who's been a multiple-time head coach at some big programs out there, uh, was just on an assistant coaching staff in the NFL this past year. He's been a defensive coordinator in some important universities, including the University of Florida. Uh, to get a guy like Charlie Strong as your linebackers coach, and he's also an excellent recruiter, I mean, I've done many shows with uh, former Miami Dolphins linebacker Channing Crowder, and the reason why Crowder went to the University of Florida was because of Charlie Strong. That was the point man in recruiting him. You know, he loved Coach Strong, excellent recruiter, excellent teacher at that position. I think he's the biggest upgrade on that staff. Uh, now, you know, out the blocks, one of the names that he mentioned 
was Jamila Dye, who I think is a tremendous coach, who's now coaching Miami's defensive backs, and they got him from Georgia. Now, I'm I'm going to say Jamila Dye is not the correct answer, only because when we're talking upgrade from last year's staff to this year's staff, I think a die could be at least a slight upgrade, but the coach who was with the DBs last season, T. Rob, Travaris Robinson, was a darn good football coach. So if I just go with the upgrade factor, I think Jamila Dye is a fantastic coach. I think he's going to do great things at Miami. Uh, I just don't think that that's as big of an upgrade as the linebackers coach going from Pat Gee to Charlie Strong is just going from a 2 to a 10 uh, versus going from T-Rob to a die is going from like an 8 to a 10. I just don't think it's as big of an upgrade. Uh, Connor uh, writes, Charlie Strong, and it's not close. It's funny because that's the exact same verbiage that a previous commenter had used. Uh, Big buzz in responding to which member of Miami's coaching staff, outside of Cristobal, the head coach, which member of 2022's coaching staff is the biggest upgrade over 2021? Big buzz says all. I don't know if that's uh, if that's a little bit too much of a hack in answering that question, but I appreciate the response nonetheless. Uh, Vic tweets Charlie Strong. Uh, Yo Kane tweets uh, another shout out for Jamila Die, and he uses uh, emojis for lock and down, <laughs> locked. I hope he's locked on as well with locked on Canes. And yeah, again, I'll, I'll say the same thing I said before. Jamila Dye, excellent football coach, and I think he's going to do great things at Miami. I just don't think he's as big of an upgrade as Charlie Strong was. That's all. Uh, let's see. Who else here? Uh, okay, see, I, I like this from Kevin Stanley. Now, he cheated a little bit because he threw in a couple of different names here, but it's fine. It's still a good comment. Uh, Kevin uh, Shanley. I think I said Stanley. But it's Kevin Shanley tweeted, Coach Strong with Alex Mirabal coming in second. Says I didn't hate Garen Justice, who was last year's offensive line coach, but Alex Mirabal is a big upgrade. Strong destroys Diaz and Patkey as linebackers coach, though. Alex Mirabal is a great shout, and I, I kind of feel the same way. I, I don't think that there was anything wrong with Garen Justice as offensive line coach, but uh, Alex Mirabal is elite of the elite when it comes to coaching offensive linemen. And in in the case of Miami, and I think it was the case with Oregon the last few years as well, when you have Cristobal and Mirabal, it's kind of like you're getting a two-for-one on your offensive line because Mario Cristobal is former offensive line coach and former offensive lineman who's the head coach. He gives a lot of individual attention to that group. You know, we had a conversation a couple weeks ago with former University of Miami football player who's been out to a bunch of practices, Brian Monroe, and one of his big takeaways from watching the Canes run their spring football program is Mario Cristobal spends a ton of hands-on time with the offensive line, uh, and Mirabal obviously does a very good job with that as well, and that's his specific responsibility, but Cristobal spends a lot of time with that group as well. Uh, just got a response a couple minutes ago here from Covington Kane. Says, Charlie Strong with the linebackers, and it's not even close. Several people use that same exact phrase. Charlie Strong, and it's not close. Man, we got a couple more Coach Strongs in there. That That's definitely been the popular answer, and I think it is the correct answer. And, you know, you look at some of the other. Now, I'm actually glad nobody mentioned this one 
even though uh, it's an upgrade, but it's just it's a really good coach replacing a really good coach. You got Josh Gaddis now as Miami's offensive coordinator, but he's replacing a guy in Rhett Lashley who did a really good job two years at Miami. Year two, there was a big jump. And I think a big part of that for Rhett Lashley, who, you know, runs an up-tempo spread. He's now back at SMU as the head coach. He was the offensive coordinator there previously before he came to Miami. Uh, but you really saw his offense kick into high gear when Miami found their quarterback. I mean, they did good things with De'Ara King in 2020. But in 2021, when Tyler Van Dyke exploded in the second half of that season, I think that unlocked the full potential of Miami's offense. So it's a good thing for Josh Gaddis, who I think is going to put a little bit more of an emphasis on the running game than Lashley did. Uh, but when you've got, you know, a Ferrari like Tyler Van Dyke quarterback in your team, you're going to want to take him for a spin every now and then. Uh, so, you know, he has the luxury of having a quarterback like that and having some good talent at the skill positions as well. And I, I think Gaddis could end up being the slight upgrade over Rhett Lashley, but I have a lot of respect for Lashley and the job he did at Miami. So uh, I'm not going to come out and say that that one was a huge upgrade either. Coming up next, which member of the University of Miami receiving corps, young receiving corps, is getting some national recognition? We'll talk about that. Guys, I want to remind you, Locked On NFL Draft Live coverage is coming. A big announcement starting Thursday, April 28th. Tune in to Locked On NFL Draft's live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft with all three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. And for those of you dying to know who your team will take, catch Odyssey and Locked On's NFL Mock Draft special hosted by Brian Peacock and former scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show all week leading up to the first pick. You can find this coverage Locked On NFL Draft, Locked On NFL Draft's YouTube page, and the Odyssey NFL Mock Draft on Odyssey and Locked On NFL Draft podcast feeds. When is this going down, you might ask? Well, Locked On NFL Draft Live will be happening right before each night and day of the draft, April 28th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, April 29th, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and April 30th at 11.30 a.m. And you know there's going to be plenty of NFL futures, NFL draft futures at betonline.net. Guys, I'm big into the gambling space, and I'm telling you, betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You talk about who's going to be the first overall pick, who's going to land at your team. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, which have started with the play-ins, and the real playoffs are going to start over the weekend, and the Major League Baseball season is underway as well. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. And the mobile site works great at BetOnline. And I'm telling you, they give you the edge, my friends. You may think you know everything. Trust me. When it comes to the analytics, stats, and trends, you're going to find things at BetOnline that you're going to be very thankful for. BetOnline, where the game starts. Tomorrow's episode is going to be a lot of fun. You know what we do on Fridays? On Fridays... We keep up with a cane. We're going to be tracking down former Miami offensive linemen. I I promise you guys we will start talking to players who played skill positions and even quarterbacks soon, but I'm a big fan of the big eaters, 
and I find offensive linemen to be some of the best talkers and best storytellers out there. Former O-lineman center from the early 90s at Miami, he played for both Dennis Erickson and Butch Davis. K.C. Jones is going to join us for tomorrow's episode, and K.C., not as big a fan of Butch Davis as a lot of Hurricanes fans are. I'll let him tell the stories for himself. So we have the spring game coming up on Saturday. Now, in a moment, I want to talk about a defensive player that I think we should all get a good look at. But here's some love out there for one of the members of Miami's young wide receiver core. Jacoby George is heading into his sophomore season. He's been named a college football 2022 rising star from 24-7 sports. And he's he's in good company here. So uh, 24-7 sports put out a piece on Tuesday entitled College Football's Rising Stars, 22 Players to Watch Ahead of the 2022 Season. And they ranked Jacoby George at number 12. Here's what they say about Miami's speedster who's going to be stretching the field next year. And he had some good chemistry last season already with Tyler Van Dyke. So a full season, look out. Jacoby George is having a breakout spring for the Hurricanes. It should be a prime candidate for all ACC 2022 if quarterback Tyler Van Dyke performs as well as advertised during Mario Cristobal's first campaign. George has received most of the first team reps at the outside receiver position following Charleston Rambo's departure and has reportedly made the most of his opportunity. The addition of OC Josh Gaddis from Michigan could work wonders for the Miami passing game. So I thought that both Jacoby George and Keyshawn Smith last year were absolute dynamite. And we've like had debates on this show over the last 10 episodes, which one of these guys is going to have a better 2022 season. I mean, no matter who wins, we all win. But uh, I don't know. I, I put my money down, uh, so to speak, not literally, but I, I put my uh, my figurative monopoly money down on Keyshawn Smith to be, to be the guy who has the bigger blow up. But uh, I don't know. It seems like a lot of the counter arguments are coming in for Jacoby George. But this is definitely going to be a guy that we will watch out for in the spring game. And then moving over to the defensive side of the football, wow, I'll tell you who's having just an incredible spring. Jafari Harvey, Miami edge rusher. He's been at Miami since 2019, but based on the way he's performing and learning and picking up this new defense, I think this is the year that Harvey is going to break out. Uh, he's got an excellent defensive line coach, and he also he gets to get some of that you know one-on-one time in practice with a Pro Football Hall of Famer and Jason Taylor, who's on the staff as an analyst. And listen, JT is only allowed to do so much, given that he's not like on the on-field coaching staff. But you know he he basically he puts in the maximum time with these players that he is allowed to put in. He's really seeming to have a passion with coaching. And Harvey, with the way he's been performing, this is certainly a player to watch in the spring game, and I think a player who could very well break out upcoming in the 2022 season. So we're going to spend a little little more time on tomorrow's episode setting the table for the Miami Hurricanes spring game. Uh, I'm so excited for this that it's, it's going to be kind of sad when it's over. Also, um, I'm planning on putting out some bonus content over the weekend. So shortly after the spring game, we're going to go immediately with our observations. So make sure you're tweeting us during the spring game. I'm going to be live tweeting it from the show account that's at Locked on Canes. 
Uh, we'll take as much interaction and comments as possible because we are going to put out a bonus episode shortly after the spring game wraps up to talk about everything that took place. Uh, so that's going to be on Saturday. On Friday, we're going to talk with former Miami Hurricanes center KC Jones, and we're going to take a look at a few more players to watch for Miami spring game. So thank you for making Locked On Canes your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.